0: I want to talk today just simply about the word hungry. So I want to ask you first off, we can bring up the uh, slides. Thanks, June. Is, uh, are you hungry? That's my question. Anyone here just straight out, yeah, I am actually a little bit peckish. Yeah, there are a few of you. It's all right. I've only got a 45 to 50 minute sermon, so (laughs) you can wait. It'll be fine. No, no, we'll keep it short if we can this morning. I wonder if for the rest of you, I can make you feel hungry. I've done this before. I like doing this. It's about food. Oh. Anyone feel hungry now? I feel a little bit more hungry, I'll be honest. Look okay, at that roast potato. mashed sweet as well. Hey, Yorkshire pudding with chicken. That's all right, isn't it? Yorkshire pudding with everything, That's what I say. All right, for you vegans and veggies? Oh. You feeling a bit more hungry? Char grilled peppers to be honest I don't know what's behind it I've moved from couscous to potato to probably cauliflower whatever it is it looks a bit mushy so sorry about that but it's the best I could find still looks nice I'd eat that. Here's the real test oh. Oh. three delicious layers of goodness right there <laughs> the Big Mac With that secret sauce. Yep. Yep. Who said calories? No such thing in a Big Mac. Um, (laughs) We all know what it is to feel hungry, physically hungry. Our bodies get hungry. We get hangry, don't we? Anyone here get hangry? Angry when you're hungry. Dropping blood sugar. We feel tired. We know we need to physically Eat, and yet, the Bible talks about and tells us something that we learn is true in life. That we cannot just live by physical bread alone. That there are deeper hungers in us, created in us as humans. What it is to be a human means that we have emotional hunger and mental hunger and relational hunger and intellectual hunger and spiritual hunger and even eternal hunger. The Bible says that God's put eternity in the heart of mankind. Without knowing that, without understanding that we yearn for that, or we try and ignore or squash or deny these many hungers. And yet they're just as real and just as important and perhaps more important than even our physical hunger. Let me ask you again, are you hungry, really? what if you're honest are you hungering for in your life do you desperately need right now emotionally or relationally mentally spiritually physically what are you hungry for see this story begins with hungry disciples here they are. From the outside, if you looked at them at this moment, you'd realise that they were excited disciples. In fact, they were adrenaline-filled, passionately, brilliantly fired-up disciples. They'd just been sent away by Jesus on their own for the first time in pairs to go and heal the sick and cast out demons and proclaim the gospel and call people to repentance to tell them that the Messiah has come to turn and follow the Lord. And they come back saying, "Jesus, you won't believe what's happened. It's been incredible. There was this man, and then this thing, and then this family, and then there was this other thing, and then we prayed, and then it... Whoa! And it was absolutely, you won't believe it, Jesus. They're so excited. They were so excited that they'd even forgotten to eat. At this point, they're back with Jesus, and the crowds are kind of followed them and followed Jesus, and they're coming and going, and all sorts is going on. And Jesus stops in this moment, and he looks." at these disciples, who he's teaching, and who he's nurturing, and who he loves, and he realises they're hungry, physically. You could do some food chats. But he also realises a deeper hunger in them. He can see that they are emotionally and spiritually hungry too. And you know what? This matters, folks. Jesus knows exactly what they need right now, what they're really hungering for. That's to be restored and reaffirmed in their relationship with God. Everything they did was wonderful, but now was the time to come back and spend some time with Jesus. And so he says to them some of my favourite words in Scripture Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest, folks. It was all hugely exciting. But right now Jesus knew they needed to come back to the one who loved them and take some rest with him. It was not just enough to know about Jesus or to love Jesus or to do the things that he wanted them to do or to see the miracles. They needed to draw near and be fed in the presence of Jesus. Not with physical bread, but with the bread of life. See in John chapter 6. People are demanding Jesus to show them a sign. Like Moses, he brought bread down from heaven in the wilderness. What is your sign? And Jesus says this, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses that's given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They hear this and they go, okay, sir, so always give us this bread. We want this bread, we need this bread. Jesus turns around and says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I wonder, is your soul hungering for the bread of life this morning? Is anybody here hungry for Jesus? So the disciples get in a boat, and they try and sneak off and get some time with Jesus, but pretty soon they reach another another shore, and they discover that the crowds, well, they've not given up. In fact, they've grown. The crowds are all around. In fact, there's thousands of them now, 5,000 men plus women and children, we're told. And they're gathering, and they're pressing in, and they're listening to Jesus. And we're told that they're practically in the middle of nowhere at this point. And the people are physically hungry. It is late in the day, it is dinner time. And in this amazing account, this fantastic story, which you know so well, or maybe it's the first time you heard it this morning, but it's one of those stories that we've heard over and over again, you see, Jesus tells them to feed the hungry crowd. And they know it's physically and financially and practically ridiculous. It's impossible. But Jesus tells them to do it anyway. And with what they've got in their hands with just two fish and five small loaves of bread and probably feeling ridiculous, the disciples obey him. Okay, let's go for it, chaps. Just tiny, tiny crumbs, yeah? You know? But the most amazing miracle occurs. The bread and the fish are broken again and again and again and again. There's enough for the fifties, the hundreds, the thousands of people gathered. And the Bible says they all ate and were satisfied. In fact, there was an abundance left over And we look at this story and we can realise that God can do amazing things with the little in our hands. We realise that he really is the God of provision, of miracles, that heaven's resources are limitless. They are. We look and we realise he cares about our every need. He calls each one of us to step out in faith, take risks, to be obedient to his call. Even when we don't understand it, we can see the wonder of miracles, the wonder of heaven's provision. It's an incredible story that we love, and we love to remember. I mean, of course we do. It's about food. It's about the best picnic ever. Who doesn't remember this one? Do you remember the one where, oh yeah, that was great. Grilled fish sandwiches all round. It was amazing. But what if the greatest feeding that day, the so-called feeding of the 5,000, wasn't the physical bread and fish? What if the greatest feeding that day was actually being in the presence of Jesus, the Son of God, and the teaching of the Word, and the receiving from Him? What if really the feeding of the 5,000 has always been about that feeding, not just the physical feeding, the spiritual feeding of these hungry, hungry people that, as Jenny pointed out in the prayer room this morning, Kind of put physical food to the side because they just wanted more of Jesus. They just wanted to focus and receive. They were hungry. Jesus realized they were deeply, deeply hungry. In fact, Jesus knew what their greatest need of all was as he looked on this crowd. What was it? Was it healing? Was it forgiveness? Was it purpose? Was it truth? Was it direction? Maybe it was all of the above, but what is it Jesus said that this crowd really needed? Fascinatingly, the thing Jesus said they needed, we read in verse 34. And Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. It's fascinating. Jesus looked upon these thousands of people, young and old, male and female, adults and kids, gathered and squashed on the grass, all there. And he had utter compassion. In that moment he recognised their greatest need. His heart literally broke for them. For he knew the thing they hungered for most, the thing they were missing most of all, was a shepherd who loved them. But why a shepherd? What did he mean? Why was that the thing Jesus said they needed? Well, we understand the shepherd metaphor. It's the most ancient metaphor for leadership throughout Scripture. The leaders of old, called by God, from Moses to David all the way through, were called to be shepherd leaders. What does the shepherd leader do? The shepherd's role was to physically provide for God's people food and water and grain and fruit to comfort them in times of trouble to protect them and lead them in times of war to establish justice throughout the land to provide wisdom on how to live well to defend the weak against the greedy and the strong and the tyrant to establish a healthy rhythm of work and rest for the nation, for the people to serve them and to love them to bind up the hurting, to free the trapped. Yet most of all, the principal duty of the shepherd leader has always been to lead people in their relationship with God their Father. This is the single most important thing that a shepherd leader was called to do. This relationship, every single one of them was born for. The shepherd leader was called to lead the people in their knowledge and their love and their obedience, and their worship of God. But of course, not a single leader did it. They couldn't do it, they couldn't sustain it. They failed over and over again. And Jesus has stood here looking at this crowd, seeing them without this shepherd. The Bible spoke of a shepherd who was coming, the good shepherd, who would come and bind up the weak, and lead the people, and set them free, and Renew their relationship with God and create a new heart in them by his spirit. God himself said, I will come and be their shepherd. And Jesus here, the good shepherd, is stood looking at the people, saying you've needed a shepherd most of all. It's the thing you've missed. I am the good shepherd. I'm here now. And he came to show us the Father. More than anything else. To provide for us, to heal us, to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us. But most of all, to help us to know his heavenly father and our heavenly father. The most important relationship any of us was created to know and enjoy. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, Jesus said. The will of the one who sent me. For my father's will is that everyone looks to the son And believes in him and shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. But what is this eternal life? Well, Jesus goes on in John 17. He says, this is eternal life. That they know you, Father God. The only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Friends, there is no bypassing the son to get to the father. The greatest need for those people on that day was to know and love Father God. To have that relationship with him for all eternity and they needed a shepherd to tend them to lead them, to heal them, to teach them to guide them and to show them the Father and that shepherd of course is Jesus the way, the truth and the life so how does this work for us today in our busy world 2000 years on folks does it mean in our complex, busy, technological society are people really hungering after Jesus today? I mean, if we were to go down the street and speak, certainly in Britain, to most people he goes, are you alright? and it's what they'd say, isn't it? oh, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine yeah, I'm fine, you alright? yeah, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine oh, what about you? yeah, no, I'm fine, thanks yeah I'm fine. yeah, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine what about you? oh, yeah, no, no, me? oh, no, I'm fine yeah, me? yeah, I'm fine what No, okay, yeah, I get it, you're fine. But what if we could see past that for a moment, our Britishness, our facade, and we could see the same way Jesus did on those shores, that shoreline all those years ago? What are the questions people are really asking? What are they really hungry for? What are they really seeking for? In this world where everything is apparently available to us just at the click of a button What are the questions, the hungers people have? Well, I did a bit of research, folks. I wanted to know that answer. What are the questions people are asking? So I did a bit of research this week. And you can find it all online. Google, the biggest search engine in the world. You can find what people have actually been typing into it, question-wise. So I had a little look for you. And here are the results. Do you want to know? The truth is so it's the top 10 questions in each section like do or can or what they've got all these oh why they've got all these questions they, they give the top 10 in 2021 this is up to date searching and to be honest there's a pretty funny and pretty mundane insight into the banality of most of our lives are you ready for it? here it goes um, <clears throat> is it going to rain today? <laughs> is Arianna Grande married? why is that there? Are sinus infections contagious? How to lose weight fast? Where's my refund? What to watch? (laughs) Yeah, I think that was number one. What to watch tonight? Man, that tells you something. What time is it? Can dogs eat bananas? (laughs) Can dogs eat strawberries? Can dogs eat apples? Can dogs eat watermelon? Can dogs eat grapes? I kid you not. They were all in the top ten of can questions. Joe, you are here. You can tell us about those afterwards. Can dogs eat tomatoes? Are jellyfish immortal? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Those were honestly in the questions. You can look them up. (laughs) I've no idea where that one even came from. Is there a theory going around that I've missed about immortal jellyfish? There were many others, but friends, if we look a little bit deeper at the list, read between the chaff and the mundane, there start to emerge some deeper questions, reflecting a deeper hunger, questions about identity and meaning of worth and guidance and eternity. Also these questions, what what would you do in this situation? People are asking Google a lot, they're turning for advice. And what what, what are the five love, love languages that was on there? How can I understand my partner? How how can I love better? Does he like me? I don't know how Google might answer that, but <laughs> <laughs> but what does it say? Uh, am, am I okay? Am I am I likable? Am I loved? But wh- where can I find happiness? Wonder what Google gives you as the answer to that. I haven't typed that one in. Who? am I that was on there too friends I want to suggest to you people today are still so hungry they're still asking the deepest questions they may be different to the questions people were even asking 10 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 2000 years ago maybe people aren't going around asking about forgiveness for many don't feel they've done anything wrong Uh, people may not immediately be asking about how to go to heaven because They haven't grown up hearing about the teaching of the Bible. Many may not be thinking about church because they don't see it as relevant in society anymore. People may not be asking what they must do, but perhaps who they might be. People may not be always asking about God, but they're hungry perhaps more than ever before, for truth and meaning and purpose and identity and authentic relationships and spirituality, society, folks, has shifted hugely in my lifetime. Just over the last 20, 30 years, sociologists speak of it as a turn from the objective to the subjective People no longer trust the proud pillars of modernity that actually dominated our thinking and our structures as a society for the last 200 years. Pillars of rationalism and facts and processes and functions and institutions and logic and reason. Instead, now the emphasis has moved towards feelings and personal truth and the desire, most of all, for authentic relationships, personal life experiences, meaningful stories. The questions have changed. Will I ever feel okay? Is anybody listening? What makes me feel alive? Can I make a difference? Am I understood? Will my family be okay? Why do I feel so insecure? And again, who am I? It's no longer principally about what something is for many, but how it makes you feel. And in this huge shift from modernity to what's now called post-modernity, been a huge challenge for so many people who have grown up without it and and are seeing it and going, this doesn't make sense, this is all bad, we need to go back to what it was. It's been a huge challenge to God's church as well and it's no surprise that the church in general, many churches are declining in the West because we haven't often got our heads around the shift in what people are asking. Hunger's still there and I want to tell you that the opportunities are still there and in fact, It's full of opportunity for who we offer, for what we offer, for the person we offer, the truth, the way, the life that we offer. Because with technology, there's an immense interconnectedness, but there's a lack of authentically deep relationships. Yes, they're suspicious about big structures and organisations, but people want to hear a story, experience change. They want to plug into something real. There's a desperate need to feel significant and understood and true to ourselves, but many don't know how to find that, don't have anyone to guide the way. There's a desire to feel safe and purposeful in this life, but discovery when everything is relative and a matter of personal opinion, there's no firm ground left to stand on. We feel more insecure than ever. The world that has more technological opportunities for pleasure and enjoyment. People are feeling empty and struggling mentally more than ever before. With all the promises of progress and peace and comfort we're still experiencing the fear and unsettlement of global chaos, pandemic, war, even nuclear threat. Friends if we could see through the eyes of Jesus I believe we'd see that people today are still really hungry. Hungry, they hunger for compassion, for meaning, for companionship, for purpose, to be understood, to feel loved, to make a difference, for guidance, for safety, for the family, to feel happy, to feel less scared, to know the real meaning of it all, to know who am I. Jesus looked at the people that day on the shore and realised most of all, they needed a shepherd. They needed him. I want to say to you, every generation it's the same. For our generation, it's the same. That's who we offer. Jesus, Shepherd, Bread of Life. I'm going to need to finish here. I've got more I could say. But I just want to say to you folks <laughs> isn't the answer always Jesus, Matt? Oi, it's Jesus. I knew that one. I didn't need to come. No, the answer really is always Jesus. It's not a pat answer, it's not a silly answer, it's not just, oh, yeah, it's just Jesus. It is the deepest, most profound, most life-changing, most wonderful answer any of us ever can discover. It is the shepherd who loves us more than we could ever know. It is the one who guides us in all purpose and dignity and destiny. Who answers who, who am I? The one who tells us when you come to me and you put your trust in me, you are a child of God. You are loved, you are forgiven, you have purpose and a future. He is the one. Who draws near and brings peace and comfort in a world that isn't comfortable and is not at peace right now. He's the one who gives us courage when we feel that like everything around is moving and shifting. He is the rock on whom we stand. He is the shepherd who looks out to a people without a shepherd. but Who are hungry for a shepherd. Hungry. And he says, here I am. And he says to us, To share him, to speak of him, to generously, passionately, courageously, without embarrassment, be Jesus people. Jesus-centred believers. But to begin to listen to the questions people are asking. To let them share, to hear their stories. its Probably why Alpha has been so, so uh, successful, or fruitful is a better word because it asks those kind of questions What is there more to life than this who is this Jesus can I pray what, what's prayer all about what, what would a life of fulfilment be like but I want to finish with this question again are you hungry are you hungry Whatever it is right now that you're struggling with or you're thirsting and hungering for, I want you to hear the words of Jesus. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Come with me. The shepherd says, Bread of life, the shepherd who loves you. Should we pray together? Can I invite you to stand if you're able? Lord Jesus, I don't want to say any more words, but I just pray, come, amazing, wonderful shepherd, and come and draw near to each one of us who is hungry this morning, for you are who we need. Give us eyes and ears to see and hear a hurting world that have questions and most of all are looking for you, even when they don't realise it. Come, Holy Spirit, in this moment. Come, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.